I remember clear as day what it's like to be fully aware consciously that you're not able to breathe. Being in that moment of this is really bad. Like this, I'm, this is not going well. And I remember this look of panic and sadness on the doctor's face saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't save you. And I knew in that moment I was dying. My mother's father passed away when she was a young girl. My father's father passed away when I was probably two or three years old. And they came to me in that moment. And they said, you can't die. You have work to do. My name is Chris Keto. I'm from Long Island, New York. I grew up in a very wonderful, loving household. Being the oldest of three boys, my, all my brothers followed in my footsteps in a way. We were all played lacrosse, we were all lifeguards. We all went to the same school in Connecticut, Quinnipiac. And then when it was time to graduate, I was the only one in my family that left New York. I ended up going to California. That's where I decided I wanted to start my life. It was a clean slate. I did not know a single person in Los Angeles. I pretty much just washed ashore. And I was 23 at the time. Went on interviews, went through the normal day-to-day -day grind of being in a city. In April of 2012, I was at a friend's birthday party. And it was a Sunday evening. Nine o'clock, we're at a restaurant, and everyone was hanging around. I didn't drink any alcohol that night. I think I had like a ginger ale. And they started handing out slices of cake. And there was nothing to have a concern about. There was nothing at all. It was just another going through the motions type moment. And they passed around the cake. It looked like a chocolate cake. And I remember taking like a little bit of it and putting it in my mouth, and then swallowing that piece. I thought something initially was wrong. I always grew up with a peanut and tree nut allergy. I never actually ate peanuts or tree nuts. I don't know what they taste like. I have an idea of what they smell like. I've always avoided them all my life. I always knew I had an allergy, but I went 24 years not knowing to the extent of what my allergy was. Growing up, I always had EpiPens. More often than not, they were always expired because just, well, hey, never had anything happen in 20 years. And I remember swallowing it and thinking, oh my gosh, did I just swallow? I realized after the action, because you're in the moment, you're talking to people. This is something you do hundreds of thousands of times. So in the moment immediately after that, I was shocked. I then realized there was a peanut in the cake. I had no initial reaction. I felt a little tingling on my lips, on my tongue. So I remember I had like a little soda. You know, maybe that'll just get the tingle out of my mouth. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go home. It's a Sunday night. We're going to take two Benadryl. We're going to sleep well. We're going to wake up. We're not going to have an issue. I go home. You're laying there. You're thinking. How do I feel? Am I warm? Is the air conditioning on? Is it just a hot night? 
Am I breathing heavier? All these little thoughts of is something wrong, could something go wrong, or is it just me thinking and my nervous system overreacting because of what happened? I'm like, okay, let me let me go look in the bathroom. Let me go see where are my EpiPens, just in case. Let me see where that EpiPen is if I have it. We find the EpiPen. It was expired. I've heard it does work past the expiration date, but I don't really know. I look in the mirror. I'm red. I have hives on my neck, my face, my arms, my armpits. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm physically reacting now. Then I'm starting to notice my breathing's getting more labored. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to make a decision here. It's getting worse and worse in this situation. So I thought, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. It's a Sunday night. Thank God it's a Sunday night in Los Angeles. Now we're around 11 o'clock. There's no one on the road. I'm gonna drive to the hospital. So I get in my car, I start driving. It's becoming significantly more difficult to breathe. I got to the hospital and I fly into the emergency room. I remember walking in and seeing the nurse at the desk look at me and I go, I've had an allergic reaction, I need help. And she goes, do you have ID? And I pull out my wallet to pull out my driver's license. And in that moment, my motor function was declining. And I couldn't pull out my ID from a a wallet with little slits on your credit card and all those cards. I couldn't pull it out. And I remember her, even now, 10 and a half years later, jumping up and then another nurse grabbing me. And they, they pretty much each got a side of me and brought me back in immediately and put me on a bed. And I was just swarmed by medical staff. And I remember clear as day what it's like to be fully aware consciously that you're not able to breathe. And being in that moment of, I don't know if I'm gonna make it, like this is really bad. Like this, I'm, this is not going well. When I was on that hospital bed and they start working, I wasn't able to speak, I remember. I stopped speaking. And I, I don't have a concept of time at that point. Time stopped. Benadryl was going to my wrist. I had epinephrine. I was on oxygen. They were looking into my eyes. They were holding my mouth open. The anaphylaxis wasn't stopping. It didn't stop. They could not reverse it. And I remember this look of panic and sadness on the doctor's face saying, I'm I'm sorry, I can't save you. And I knew in that moment I was dying. There wasn't any anger or hostility and there was no more pain. Nothing material mattered. I was fading out. I was fully ready to die. And I want to be very clear, I didn't want to. I just accepted it. And in that accepting, my mother's grandfather, my mother's father passed away when she was a young girl. My father's grandfather passed away when I was probably two or three years old. 
And they came to me in that moment. And they said, you can't die. You have work to do. It was a wave of communication. It was a all-knowing understanding. I knew it was them. It was nothing from this physical world we're in. It was them pushing me back. And in that moment, it shifted from an acceptance to, okay, I, I, I'm going to fight. No, no, I, I can't die. And I remember consciously saying to myself, no, 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 I can't die. Okay, I can't die. Nope, not going to happen. And in that moment, I remember being able to take a breath. And I felt being pulled back into my physical body. The blissful euphoric state was gone. It was excruciating pain. And I just continued to fight and scrape and breathe for air. And then over the course of the next seven hours, I stabilized. And the hives went away. The anaphylaxis stopped. I remember asking the nurse, I said, well, was I here for 40 minutes? She said, no, you've been here for seven hours. And you were unrecognizable from when you were walked into how you are now. And on a scale of one to ten, nine and a half, we thought you were going to die. I was discharged from the hospital. I had no understanding that I had an NDE or anything was going on. I just thought, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. I, I just got to go home and get some rest now. And I, I always joked, I knew I was back because I had to pay for parking. And I said, okay, yeah, I'm really back now. Went home. And for the next few days, it was all a physical recovery. I remember being, I was in tremendous pain for the next two, three days. Just my body was aching. The amount of drugs that I was pumped up full of to, to start breathing again. Then I started to notice everything changed. I remember on like the third day after the pain was gone, I was moving around. I went outside and I smelled a rose. And I never had a good sense of smell ever in my life. And I smelt that rose perfectly. And I remember just bursting out in tears. And I had these moments crying over the rose. My vision was off. It was resetting. I was avoiding sunlight. My reaction to things emotionally, mentally shifted. I woke up every day for six to seven months not knowing who I was on an emotional, spiritual, mental level. And during that time, I had no idea what a near-death experience was. I never heard the acronym. I never knew any of that. I just had no idea what was going on. And then I remember I was just browsing the internet, and I was like, I got to find something. There's got to be something on here of what happened. And I stumbled across IONS, the website. And I looked at it and it said, do you have an NDE? And it listed, you know, 30 traits, physical, mental, emotional. I had 29 out of the 30. I was like, okay, there's something happened here. And I connected with a, a leader in the community. And I spoke with her and I said, I have no idea what's going on. I said, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. This is what happened. And I laid out everything. And she says, 
Oh, honey, you had a near-death experience. When I realized I had a near-death experience, it gave me a frame of what happened other than I suffocated to death on a hospital bed. And I gave myself the space to play around with the spirituality. And I had some background. I was open to psychics, mediums. So there's all these emotions you deal with. There's the recovery. There's the integration. There's the spiritual aspect, the mental. Dealing with, okay, now I'm in society. I'm in this physical world we live in. How do I function? And anyone that knew anything that happened, if they asked me, I immediately shut it down. Did not talk about it. If I ever did, it was 50% of the story was discussed and nothing about the actual NDE, just the experience of I had this physical medical emergency. There was no spirituality. There was nothing about my grandfather's or that, that process. That took years to come out. And the last 10 years and still going, it's still an integration. It's a lifelong journey. Speaking as an experiencer, I feel the NDE is 5% of the story. And then 95% of the story is what you're doing afterwards. I shouldn't have survived. By any account, I should have passed away that night. I am fortunate to be here. I have been given a second chance. What am I going to do with it? That's... What's really guided me in my life from that point on, can I move the needle a little bit, any way I can, even if it's something so small as just picking up a piece of garbage, being aware and trying to add to the positive, not here to save the world, but can I take a higher level of consciousness? Can I be in a state of gratitude given everything that's happened? mostly why I speak about this publicly and open and what pushed me after eight years of not speaking about it fully was I made a decision that I wanted to give back. I don't know who's going to hear what I say or speak about and how that will help them whether they are having a difficult time in life or they're looking for an answer or some peace or comfort or something. And me speaking about my story helps them, gives them what they're looking for, maybe nudges them along, gives them some comfort. That's why I do it. I do it in service. Maybe that's my way of saying thank you to the universe. I got to pay someone back for this. I don't know if it's an energy, God, this, that, I, none of my business, but I know for myself, deep down, I, I owe a thank you to someone or something. I didn't come back for no reason. I don't know what that reason was, but I'm going to live authentically and I'm going to help others. <laughs> 